we we found a, a used plane and um we're like let's let's buy this plane it was like in the junkyard uh it was like 10 grand and then we transported over we blocked off the streets pulled it in um this guy hank helped me hang it up in the ceiling and we started looking up the tag number and I guess it was owned by like people around Pablo Escobar back in the day. It was seized by the FBI at some point. There's like this whole great story about this plane. Ultimately, my staff started like looking for cocaine in the in the you know glove compartments, but obviously <laughs> that was empty. Uh, but we were laughing about this whole thing a lot. Welcome back to Winning at Work. It's season three the podcast for the food and beverage and CPG world. I'm Jennifer Lee, Tony's new marketing sidekick and creative guru. I'll attempt to keep him on track as we discover the ideas and strategies behind all these different, better, and special brands. Oh, good luck keeping me on track, but I am really stoked to have you on the team, Jennifer. Your background in marketing and SEO and socials, we are going to have so much fun this year. We're going to be discovering the new brands here in 2023. It's all about functional, good-for-you lifestyle brands. Those are trending. Those are the products that are gaining market share and really pulling away from those old legacy brands. We're going to have each and every one of those brands down on the podcast to talk to us, to share their ideas, their inspiration, so you, the entrepreneur, so you, the food and beverage and CPG professional, can take these new ideas in and incorporate them into your business and into your life. Oh my gosh, Tony, I'm seriously so excited. I feel like I learn so much just from listening to older episodes. Well, that's why we're here. And if this is your first time here, I would recommend, look, go back, take the five episode challenge, pick a brand, pick a CEO, an entrepreneur, dive in, listen to what it is that they're teaching us. If you love the content, subscribe. We hope you're along with us for the journey each and every week. By the way, Do you have a favorite brand in your market you would love for us to amplify on this national platform? Reach out to us on LinkedIn. And stay tuned for this week's episode. Hey, it's Jennifer. We get it. Everyone hates hiring. Inspired by his guests, Tony created a novel talent acquisition program that attracts the hidden candidate market, the 70% of people that are not actively applying to jobs. Click on the attract link in the show notes to watch a demo. Welcome to Winning at Work, everybody. It is Tony, and uh, it is time for you to fasten your seatbelts and put up your trade tables in the upright and locked position. That is a very, very common phrase and expression that we all hear when we're flying. And I'm pleased to bring in today Alex Holt, former NHL pro hockey player and uh, dive into his uh, restaurant concept that is doing quite well and scaling that is uh, kind of like a little play on words with flights. We've got uh, flight flights restaurant group. Alex, welcome in today. Thank you, Tony. How are you doing today? So how does a a former NHL star decide to get into entrepreneurship and of all the things you could do to put your uh, hard earned money into, you choose restaurants, restaurants. That's such a brutally tough business. 
Well, first of all, I don't know much about an NHL star. Um, you know, I, I was drafted by the San Jose Sharks back in the day, and I was definitely very passionate about hockey. It was my dream as a kid growing up. Uh, and then um, my hockey career took a quick turn around 19 or 20 when I uh, hurt my knee. So my career was not as uh, bright as I had hoped. I was ranked number two in the country in Sweden when I grew up uh, around 16, 17, 18, and then um, had two years of really hard uh, challenges, kind of re-injuring the knee and never really bounced back from it. So uh, I still played until I was about 25, 26, and then I moved to the U.S. and uh, ultimately ended up opening my first restaurant in 2013. And then um, kind of from there, it's just been a grind, kind of getting, you know, the restaurant business uh, off the ground. I've opened like nine locations or so um, since then. And um, it's a very challenging business, a lot of ups and downs. And, um, you know, feeling pretty grateful that we weathered the storm in the pandemic, if you will. And, uh, and the flights is thriving and, and doing well. Well, you know, anyone who makes it into the professional ranks to the common person, that makes them a star because you reach the pinnacle. Now, granted, um, you know, once you make it to that platform, careers take different trajectories. So, um, you know, much respect just for, for getting there and making it. And it is it's unfortunate, though, that the, the injuries did uh, sideline you. Yeah, it is a grind in in restaurant. And of course, you're used to that kind of grind, you know, from your professional background in, in your life. What I what I love about the concept is the, the concept of flights. You know, you can go in and you can sample and have lots of different varieties. So how did you come up with the concept? Tell us a little bit more about the, the brand and kind of what the uh, consumer really experiences when they come into a, a flights restaurant. Yeah, um, it started actually... On our honeymoon, me and my wife uh, was in Hawaii on our honeymoon, uh, having a great time. And um, they had a special at the Swim Up Bar where you can like sample, sample their frozen cocktails. So it was like a Mai Tai, frozen Mai Tai, a strawberry daiquiri and a pina colada. And it was served in these like uh, school, uh, school cafeteria, plastic cups type of thing. And it was more like a sampler thing. And I was kind of blown away with how much better things tasted the first sip. And the best way I can describe it is if you eat ice cream, right? So the first bite of ice cream is delicious. And then after that, your mouth is kind of used to it. It's kind of cold. It still tastes good. But that like real big like flavor kick kind of goes away after the first second bite. So same thing with these uh, with these cocktails is that that first sip is like so like wow this is great and then it just kind of is a cold drink after that but once you start going from one to the other to the other you keep getting hit with that sensation of of big flavors and i thought that was really fun and i also like um to try different things so for me this whole flights concept with with serving everything in a flight of three was just like a big winning concept so basically what happened was I came home after this honeymoon. We went to a Mexican restaurant in town where I live in Los Gatos. And um, I, I asked if I could uh, get a sampler of the margaritas. And they were like, yeah, we don't do that. You're crazy. Uh, and I was kind of like, uh, okay, I guess I'll just do my own sampler. So I want this one, this one, and this one. 
So I ordered three different margaritas. I was looking at my beautiful wife. The sun was like perfect. It was like shimmering in the in the margarita glasses. One was like blue. One was yellow. One was red. I think it was like watermelon or strawberry in one and a classic one. And then some like unique flavors. Anyways, it was this like unbelievable experience. We were super in love and there was like this good vibes. And then that night I came home, went to bed like normal, woke up around two in the morning with this like crystal clear vision of this whole brand, the menu items, the drink menu, uh, the theme, the playing on the aviation with the flights, with the decor, and, um, you know, flight attendants and all the uniform stuff. And, you know, we even have like uh, airplanes in the ceilings of some of the restaurants. So it's a, whoa, whoa, it's a whoa, really wait, neat you've concept. Got, and, wait, you've got an airplane? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you. airplane. Yeah. So and the first one in Burlingame when we opened uh, right by SFO Airport, um we we found a, a used plane and um, we're like let's let's buy this plane. It was like in the junkyard. Uh, it was like ten grand, and then we transported over. We blocked off the streets, pulled it in. Um, this guy Hank helped me hang it up in the ceiling, and we started looking up the tag number. And I guess it was owned by like people around Pablo Escobar back in the day. It was seized by the FBI at some point. There's like this whole great story about this plane. Like an infamous plane. Right. And um, ultimately my staff started like looking for cocaine in the, in the, you know, glove compartments, (laughs) but obviously (laughs) that was empty. Uh, But we were laughing about this whole thing a lot. Um, and then ultimately when we went to Vegas to open our, our main store or, or flagship or, or heads quarter, um, I'd never remember, I never forget this moment where, uh, the whole mall is shut down, um, the side entrance and, and like Harmon Avenue, like the strip in Las Vegas, uh, right by planet Hollywood and Bellagio and all that place is like blocked off temporarily. And, uh, we have a full, Cessna 44 coming through the mall and I was walking with the, the head in the mall through the mall like straight through the mall <laughs> and um I was walking with the head of security uh, his name is Charlie and I was just hearing his walkie-talkie and his phone go off constantly people were like hey there's a aircraft coming through the mall like what's going on here like what's happening <laughs> and then we got it in its in its place wow. and it took like six guys like four days to race this thing up in the ceiling and secure it properly and all this stuff so pretty crazy story but yeah um man that would have been great on like a live stream oh my god yeah i wish actually i had it you have to like recreate it for your well look you guys are growing you'll have to do it in one of your other ones that's um that's kind of like a richard branson style you know guerrilla marketing kind of tactic yeah absolutely Okay, so you've got this really cool uh, flights theme. You've got uh, your servers and everyone kind of dressed as, you know, flight attendants. So you kind of, your immerse, like this immersion, right, is happening. Is this something that you think the entrepreneurs, I mean, the um, the franchisors are going to be able to kind of replicate that kind of feel and vibe? Is that, uh, that going to be? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's the plan. Actually, one of our biggest strategies right now 
is trying to get into airports uh, because it just makes so much sense with the theme and everything. So uh, we have pretty much all the the designs and everything, the connections to get the airplanes. So if anyone you know buys a franchise, we help them all the way to make sure that the theme follows all the way through. So what other particular cities or kind of uh, geographies that you're targeting, kind of your first uh, rollout for this? Um, I think uh, the the number one place is uh, just airports in general, like uh, where there's people connecting, right? So like the bigger airports. And then um, anywhere where there's a lot of tourists, like Florida, um, you know, certain parts of California, uh, I think Vegas is like a, obviously an amazing location. There's always new people coming and going and looking for a good time. So our Vegas location is absolutely wild with uh, over a thousand people coming in in a day. So it's uh, it's a pretty unique place uh, right there in Planet Hollywood to, to operate a restaurant. It's uh, crazy foot traffic, always busy, always something going on. And then recently... I don't know if I told you this, Tony, but recently we signed a big deal with the Sappos Theater. So we're the preferred uh, food caterer for all the stars when they come to Sappos, like Britney Spears and Shania no, Twain. No, yeah, and... news. Congrats. Yeah, it's uh, it's really big for us. Um, you know, it ends up being, uh, you know, a lot of money, obviously, in the catering orders, but also the exposure to the brand, you know, feeding all these uh, super big time celebrities. They're coming into the restaurant. They're taking pictures. We have like we're building this wall of fame with the people that have been in and they sign some memorabilia and it's a really fun time. Yeah, I mean, when you can get that influencer buzz going about what they're doing, it suddenly becomes like a lifestyle brand that people want to be associated with. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, we saw uh, after we got a couple of these like bigger people in, we saw some crazy traffic on uh, on TikTok, we had several videos like in the span of a month that reached uh, close to a million views and things like that, that we had never even been close to before. So it's definitely, definitely powerful. Yeah, that's that constant battle that entrepreneurs have. You know, do they do the influencer route or do they not? I think it definitely works. I think in your case, it was more of an organic, you know, outcome of having the catering business to the high end influencer. So that's a just a double benefit, right? You get the business plus you get the kind of add on buzz. Yeah, totally. Uh, so I want to learn more just about the the business model and or the challenges right now that a food entrepreneur is facing when you look at expansion, because there's a lot of hurdles, you know, that you have to clear. Yeah, well, I think uh, the basic ones are, you know, the labor shortage in the marketplace um, during the Trump administration. Um, immigration tightened up quite a bit. A lot of people that was at least here in California that was in the hospitality kind of left for Mexico and then just never came back. Um, there was, you know, this big uh, transition that happened during the pandemic of, of people that were kind of tired of being in restaurants and the grind and the, you know, always working on the holiday hours and nighttime hours on the weekends, etc. that kind of found, uh, the gig economy, right? Like with the Uber Eats and the DoorDash and the Uber and all these kind of like new jobs where they can kind of control their own schedules and work here and there, etc. So I think a lot of people actually left the industry uh, more or less for good. So now we're stuck basically in this phase where 
the whole industry is short staffed. So then you're turning to technology to make your operations, you know, more streamlined and smooth and easier. But then right now, one of the biggest challenges, in my opinion, is that you have all these single solution uh, tech softwares that are solving like one little problem. And I think the industry needs like an overhaul where it's more of a platform when you can get all the different softwares all in one place and and use that data, controlling that data uh, versus having all these third party um, kind of being in charge of your data and your customers. So I think that's going to be a big one to try to solve here in the near future. And then, of course, the supply chain with all the the goods that you're purchasing, you know, like for a while you couldn't get tequila and then the eggs went through the roof, cheese went through the roof, produce goes through the roof, like very hard to price out a menu when you don't have a way of really knowing what your costs are going to be because it fluctuates so much. So there's some clear challenges right there. Right. I have seen some kind of interesting food tech for restaurants. They're they're implementing, they're using some different things to kind of alleviate the the need to have just more people. Have you started implementing and using any any of your concepts, any of these um, kind of latest and greatest? I don't know. They might be fads. I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, we use a lot of technology. Um, like the I robots? I think the marketplace. Have you tried the robot? I've seen, you know, like robot, uh, ser- not servers, but, you know, support. Yeah, we have some robot bussers in the Vegas location. Okay. Uh, so basically they shuttle back and forth the servers, uh, you know, put their dishes in the, in the bus bins on this robot and it goes back to the, to the dish pit to get unloaded and it comes back. So it saves the, the, the long walks back and forth because it's a big restaurant, 10,000 square feet. Um, so it saves a lot of the weight um, off the servers, uh, backs and the bussers so that they can be in their sections more and sell more. But uh, there's also a lot on the backend side, streamlining how you handle deposits and, and big parties, how you take reservations, how you do your marketing. Um, we probably use like something like 12 to 15 different um, tech companies that we pay a monthly fee, and it's just too many. We need to come up with some kind of solution that streamlines all that and puts it in one software and, and everything can happen in an easy place. Well, I know you are a bit of a serial entrepreneur, so you probably have a few things up your sleeves. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that. Yeah, might be working on a little something. <laughs> well, I was trying to see if I could pull it out of you. Not yet, huh? Maybe we, we got to wait a little longer for the, for, for the big reveal. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right. So uh, what, uh, aside from the challenges, which are, are plentiful, um, what would you say have been some of your key learnings, though, let's say just around labor, attracting people, keeping culture? How how are you doing that in, in these different locations? You said you have nine now. So that's got to be a pretty, pretty important strategy you've got. Yeah, well, um, it's uh, basically like great people build great companies. Same thing goes for restaurants, like great people build great restaurants. If you have less turnover, happy employees... Uh, your restaurants will be thriving and doing pretty good. So, um, you know, this old school way of of like chefs yelling and screaming and Gordon Ramsay styling it, um, it's just like dying, right? So like you got to treat your employees with respect. You got to make sure they have a challenging, fun work environment. You got to make sure you pay them properly. 
and that they have everything they need to be successful. Like all the, the, um, what's a good example, like the allergy guides, making sure that they have the tools to answer the customer's questions, that you have uh, good training and good management that will help them be successful. It's, it's very challenging. It's, it's a lot. It's overwhelming. Yeah, it is. I mean, you're not only focused on delivering a great experience through hospitality, but then you've got to nail your menu. You have to nail the delivery and the cooking. I mean, it's, it's like running four businesses at one time. Yeah, well, that's why you see such high high failure rates, right? Because um, it's not very straightforward. It's it, it is multifaceted and it's um, it's very deep. A um, lot of details, a lot of room for error. And then, Tony, the biggest problem is that the margins are so small mm-hmm. that even if you're doing you know great volume, uh, you have a couple of leaks in your operation and you're still not making money, right? So in most industries, if you're crushing it and doing great sales, like it doesn't really matter how you operate, like everything's fine. Like it can be plenty of leaks and you're still making good money. But when the margins are three to 5%, where we're down to now, you know, you're charging the wrong price for a couple of products and, uh, you know, don't have the right margins here and there. Like you're literally breaking even or even losing money, even if you're busy. So add in, that maybe you're not busy or, you know, you have a slow month, like you're eating up your profit, like you're, you're going in the hole pretty quick. So it's uh, definitely challenging. Yeah, it's very scary just to think about because I know so many food entrepreneurs that they have to unload their 401k and their life savings to live their dream and have this business up and running. So have you had to have conversations with uh, banks about funding? What's the What's the environment right now, would you say, for for funding and, and capital raise? Is it uh, favorable? Because I've heard some pretty negative comments from a lot of the CPG and smaller food and beverage brands. They're really struggling to find access to capital. Yeah, we, we haven't really dabbled too much with loans, so I'm not too much into the market. Uh, I have a good group of investors that have been very supportive and as we've grown, have put money in, et cetera. And um, so I don't really know anything about about the banking side of things, but I do know just in general that like restaurants are like very the banks just kind of look oh you're in the restaurant business and it's almost like, like next <laughs> yeah next exactly it's uh, it's tough yeah yeah well I think you I think you nailed it I think you you do have to either be content to have a one or two store operation, or you've got to find, you know, access to, you know, age old investors or people that know you that are willing to put money in and support it because they know you. So obviously these people, they know you, they know your work ethic, they've seen the product and they love it. Um, Maybe not everybody has access to that. Yeah. Well, I think we're a pretty unique situation. You know, I'm situated in Silicon Valley where hundred thousand dollars seems like pocket cash for, for many, many people. Right. Versus like if you're in other parts of the world, you know, $100,000 is it's a, it's a ton of money. Mm-hmm. So just, I want to go back to the franchise model because I think that's really fascinating. That way you can get access to all the different high traffic areas and build in and around many of these airports. So uh, how developed is your is your program and what kind of success are, are you finding now as you start this new new venture? Yes, we actually just launched it. So we've been uh, focusing a good 
you know three years on building all the training modules the franchise video the training video all the recipes we have of course to go with the theme what we call a black box just like the plane have a black box <laughs> the black box. sensitive data so we have our black box with all the recipes the checklist the procedures uh, sops etc so we just launched it actually so um we're out there kind of tra- talking to some airports right now trying to get some deals done and then we're basically open for business so if anyone is interested in in a flights location they can you know just uh, go to our website flightsrestaurants.com and and submit an inquiry and then we start the process i'm just curious though when you talk about putting these planes inside the building um how much more does that cost you know in terms of retrofitting do you have to go in and retrofit some of these buildings and does that sort of affect your insurance in any way that know that know that there's a plane in the building no it hasn't been uh hasn't been an issue i mean one of our buildings we can't fit a plane because the ceiling is too low so that was easy and then (laughs) uh, the other ones they fit pretty good and um there was no insurance or anything special just make sure you have a structural engineer making sure they hang it properly and and that it's secure and safe. That's pretty much it. You are a bit of a serial entrepreneur. So is there anything else that you're working on that or maybe that you're involved in that is somehow tied to this? Or are you just, um, is this kind of your primary passion in, in your, your primary area? Yeah, well, we have a couple of different things going on. We have um, a really cool uh, complex in uh, South San Jose called The Plex, uh, gotoplex.com. It's uh, 240,000 square feet. It's a two-story gym on one side. And then we have two roller hockey rinks and two indoor soccer fields, climbing wall, uh, bouncy houses for the kids, birthday party rooms. Uh, There's like an adult section that can do events for up to 1,000 people. Uh, We have three restaurants in there. One's a pizza place, of course, flights, and then Sushi Confidential. Uh, So that take, take up quite a bit of my time. Uh, we're also opening uh, like a Capitola beach market down by the beach in Capitola where we're going to serve like tacos and burgers and milkshakes and uh, of course, ice cream, cookies, candy, but also the basic like beach supplies with sunscreens and, and flip-flops, etc. So we're kind of working on that. And then I also have a nightclub in Los Gatos called Charlie's uh, where we do live music and DJs and parties uh, Wednesday through Saturday. Uh, other than that, I'm pretty much tapped out. <laughs> I was gonna say, I mean, it, what? And you're and you're married. And you've got kids, so I mean, it's it's a full time gig. Yeah, it definitely uh, doesn't lend for a lot of sleeping. That's for sure. Yeah, what is that? What is that for an entrepreneur? Well, I think it's I think it's kind of exciting to meet a a brand that is, you know, in your case, you know, you definitely have already taken off, and now it's just a question of, um you know, over these next couple of years, you know, what, which entrepreneurs are you going to attract to the model? I do think it's very clever. It's very unique. And that's a big, big, you know, uh, requirement when someone's looking at a franchise, it's got to be unique. You need a kind of a moat around it, something that not everybody else can do. And I think it would take, take a little bit of time maybe to develop what you've, what you've done. So I think you've got a pretty good runway to kind of, you know, capitalize on this new theme. I see where you're going with here, Tony, with the runway and the takeoff, and I'm trying, man. I mean, it's <laughs> this is this is a big time podcast. You got to come up. You got to come on now. I, you know, I love I got, it. 
Way to stick to the theme there, Captain. <laughs> you know, they call you the captain. I have to admit, I looked at, I saw some of your training videos, and I thought, oh, man, that is great. That is really great. Although you didn't have a hat or anything. You, you need a hat. Yeah, we did a photo shoot with a captain's hat once. That was fun. Yeah, that's right. With the little with the little five bars on uh, on your shoulders. Well, like it, it's very exciting. Um, I love, like I said, I love meeting brands that are kind of in this phase of of growth, and it's kind of fun for us to watch how they unfold over time. So, if people want to again get connected to you, what's the best way? You know, kind of give out your handles if you've got some other things on socials too, Alex. Yeah, the social media is uh, you know flights food um, hashtag flights food. And then uh, I think the website's probably the best place, flightsrestaurants.com, both plural. Um, and they can kind of click through there, the Vegas location, and there's a franchise page um, on the website. And there's a way to drop uh, messages. I get all those messages uh, direct, and then I kind of send it out to my different managers. So uh, that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me, for sure. Okay, great. Well, we'll tag everything that in the show notes. I think you've got a LinkedIn page. I think I went looking for it, though. It didn't jump out right away. So I'll have to make sure I get the proper LinkedIn address so people can kind of find you on there. Because a lot of our audience, they are, you know, they are professionals. They're in food and beverage. They're on LinkedIn. So it's that's kind of a great way for them to find you as well. Yeah, I think I got off LinkedIn. I'm, I'm not that's much what social I see, media. That's what I thought. I couldn't. I kept, I kept putting in, uh, you know, Alex, Alexander. I went, you know. I was like, are you sure? NHL star. I kept going, no, 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 nothing. So I was like, okay. No, I took, uh, I don't know. I, I took all my social media down a couple of years ago. It's been one of my favorite decisions, actually. It's uh, um, crazy how much time you end up spending on on these like kind of useless social media places um, where you Scrolling. can actually be working and doing stuff. Yeah. Well, to, well, and you know, you're a little more high profile. You've got kind of a kind of a, a high profile wife too, right? Is it what you married? What Miss Nevada? Yeah, Sarah won Miss Nevada 2011, and um, there was definitely a lot of you know red carpets and helicopters and Lamborghinis. People were trying to take her on dates left and right. And I came in and I was like, okay, we got to get this beautiful woman out of vegas first of all <laughs> put a ring on her and get her out yeah so we we moved back to san jose where she grew up and and what once we got here things settled down a little bit Smart and, man. and it, we were we were fine you know being pretty public for a while but then when we had kids we decided to kind of tighten things up a little bit and we know we have two little girls and we never no, posted a picture of them online or anything no, so we're trying to shelter kind of, yeah shelter and protect a little bit yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's why. So that is why you will not find Alex on LinkedIn. Okay, well that that makes sense. Well, <laughs> very good reason for it. Very good reason for it. So, Alex, great talking to you again today. I'm glad we got through our technical issues. You might notice the first part of this podcast, the sound quality was a little different. It sounds better now. We got it all cleaned up. So, thanks for sticking with us. And uh, tune in to us next time on Winning at Work. Thanks so much for being here, Alex. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate uh, the time. And it was really nice chatting with you, Tony.